0: Welcome to Timeless Files, a fan podcast for the TV show Timeless and this time we're looking at episode 3, Atomic City I'm your host, Chris Butler this week we're off to Las Vegas, 1962 I think the production values of the show are just incredible that they're creating all these different time periods every episode on a TV budget and the whole colour palette of this 60s Las Vegas episode is just a lovely thing to behold I'm going to get straight into it this week, so without further ado, let's have a look at Series 1, Episode 3, Atomic City. This episode starts in the present day, not in the historical time period that the episode is interested in. So straight away that's a departure in the way the story is being structured and told compared with the first two episodes, which is nice to see. Uh, And also I think it's a sign that the story around the time travellers themselves is becoming increasingly interesting and more the focus of the show than it was initially. Which makes sense because we've had two episodes of story development for them now. So we pick up on what appears to be the morning after the previous episode, which ended with Lucy meeting the man that she's engaged to for the first time. um, As a result of the change to her family history that happened because of the events in episode one. She's obviously living with her fiancé and went home with him but apparently she stayed up all night so as not to have to sleep in the same bed with him, presumably. And she's looking at a photo album full of pictures of them together trying to learn about the life that she's supposedly had in this new timeline. From his perspective, she's obviously behaving slightly oddly Fortunately for her, just as he's starting to uh, attempt to get amorous with her, Homeland Security agent Christopher calls her on the phone, interrupting things, and asks her what happened on September 21st, 1962. She doesn't immediately know of any important historical events at that time. But agent Christopher tells her, "Okay, to think about it, while she um, heads back to Mason Industries because Garcia Flynn has taken the mothership time machine back to that time, and they are already hours behind him. Then we cut to Wyatt Logan, the Delta Force's soldier on the team, who is studying press clippings relating to the death of his wife, which we've been hearing about over the first couple of episodes. It's possible to freeze frame this episode on one of those press clippings and get some details on what happened that night. Um, It says that Wyatt and his wife, Jessica, had been out for dinner. They were driving home and they argued and Jessica got out of the car and Wyatt briefly drove away, leaving her there which obviously doesn't reflect very well on Wyatt. The article says he soon drove back, but she was gone. And at that point, the police were appealing for help in searching for her. So it's no wonder that Wyatt is racked with guilt over the subsequent death of his wife. We don't get to learn anything about the death itself at this point. Wyatt, of course, has got this tragedy in his past and he is flying around in a time machine so you can see the temptation that is there for him to try to change what's happened but we know from episode 1 that you can't mess about with events in your own past we're told that you likely wouldn't survive an attempt at time travel to do that but they're certainly setting up here that Wyatt would likely jump at the opportunity to do something about it if he could find a way. Wyatt also gets a call to go into Mason Industries where Rufus, Gia, Connor Mason, Agent Christopher are all working on trying to figure out where Flynn has taken the time machine. They know when, but they don't know where. Mason pulls Rufus aside... ...and tells him that he has some suspicions around the project lead, Anthony, ...who was abducted by Garcia Flynn, it seemed, when the mothership time machine was first stolen. Mason is saying that Anthony's behaviour on that day is starting to look a bit suspicious... ...and is it possible that Anthony was in league with Flynn? Rufus is adamant that that is completely impossible and they should be focusing on saving Anthony rather than being suspicious of him. Mason appears to agree with this, but is he just saying that to keep Rufus happy? They return to the Others where Gia announces with great excitement that she's managed to locate the Mothership Time Machine in Nevada. They kind of gloss over how she's managed to do this. It does seem a bit of a stretch that they're somehow able to determine the location of a time machine 55 years in the past but I guess the story would grind to a crashing halt at this point if there wasn't some way to do that and in fact this becomes a bigger story point later on but at this point we do cut to 1962 Las Vegas, sun-soaked scene Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin performing tourists in swimming pools and a couple in a hotel room who we will discover are JFK and Judith Campbell who was having an affair with Kennedy. She goes to her hotel room window and sees on the horizon a mushroom cloud from one of the many atomic bomb tests that were being carried out at that time in Nevada which were in themselves a kind of tourist attraction at the time. Seems hard to believe now. Outside, looking up at the hotel room, we get our first glimpse of Garcia Flynn this episode. He is taking photographs of the hotel room window where Judith Campbell is standing, looking out. JFK joins her and they kiss and... Garcia Flynn obviously has incriminating photos then of the two of them together. Lucy's theory is that Flynn is there to kill JFK because he was in Vegas staying at the Sands Hotel that particular day and they expect this to happen at uh, Sinatra concert that evening so they head into their lifeboat time machine intending to head there. Wyatt and Rufus notice Lucy's engagement ring at this point, so she explains what's going on there. They arrive back in Vegas in the desert, or in the desert outside Vegas. The time machine is quite a big, bulky thing. It's big enough to take three people inside of it. So it's a very conspicuous thing. So. They obviously had to find somewhere a bit remote to um, land. It's established here that Rufus had a choice in this. He was able to control where they landed, which is useful, because as Rufus says, if they were to land on the Strip, that would certainly draw a lot of attention that they don't want. They see, I guess, the same mushroom cloud that uh, Judith Campbell saw. The US Energy Department was running quite a lot of tests at that time, but certainly not more than one a day. Anyway, they make their way to the Sands Hotel, and they're trying to figure out how they can get entry into the concert that evening. Obviously, they don't have tickets, and Wyatt says the security looks quite extensive. But Rufus is getting used to the idea that, as a black man at this time in history, he's some extent invisible which was a big theme in episode one and he casually goes off and acquires some waiter uniforms for them a cigarette girl uniform for Lucy which she is not enthusiastic to wear there's a slight oddity in the script which I might have misunderstood she says that she wants him to go off and get a different waitress uniform but then later on it looks like she is wearing the first one that he came back with Uh, anyway it's a small point credits are rolling at this point we're still early in the episode this episode is written by lana cho who also wrote episode 11 later in the series. And she has a producer role as well on many of the episodes in series 1. She's previously written for the TV shows Arrow and Minority Report. It's directed by Charles Beeson. He appears to have started out working on TV in in the UK on things like EastEnders and um, Inspector Morse. More recently, he's worked on things like Supernatural, Fringe and Revolution. So he's known to the creators of Timeless, Kripke and Ryan. And he's clearly a safe pair of hands as the first director to step into working on Timeless after Neil Marshall handling the first two episodes. Like Lana Cho, Beeson also works on another episode later in the series, episode 8 in this case, and he has a producer credit on many of the episodes. I also wanted to particularly make note of Elena Satine, who plays Judith Campbell in this episode. Um, She really has a very prominent role in the story. Yeah, a co-starring role, really, with the main lead actors. I want to talk a bit more about the portrayal of Judith Campbell later on in this podcast. But Elena, who plays her, has appeared in various TV shows from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to Revenge um, and had a small part in Twin Peaks, The Return. Which I only mention because I'm a Twin Peaks fan. But enough of the credits, let's um, get back to the story. So posing as waiters and waitress, they make their way into the concert hall, I guess you'd say. Wyatt believes that Flynn is going to take his opportunity here to kill JFK. And that if he gets his chance, Wyatt is going to shoot Flynn that's his mission, and that's what he's going to do. Lucy is concerned about other people getting caught in the crossfire, but that doesn't seem to sway Wyatt. Lucy, serving drinks, very quickly gets the opportunity to speak to Judith Campbell. But the next thing that happens is that Rufus catches sight of Anthony, the project lead from Mason Industries, who appears to be walking around the hotel. ...completely unsupervised... ...by the people that have supposedly... ...kidnapped him. Rufus follows Antony... ...and finds him sitting at a bar... ...drinking. He quickly realises that... ...Antony doesn't want to be... ...found or rescued. Rufus thinks, well... ...Flynn must have something... ...over Antony... ...to make him go along with... ...what Flynn is doing. But Antony says, no... Flynn doesn't have any hold over him. Rufus can't get much sense out of Antony. He says, here's to the amazing Christy Pitt, which at the time Rufus doesn't understand. And Antony just tells him to go away because if Flynn sees him, Flynn will kill him. Kill Rufus, that is. So in a state of shock, realising that what Mason had said was true, that Antony somehow was... Collaborating with Flynn Rufus backs away perhaps intending to discuss it with Wyatt and Lucy but back in the concert hall JFK has arrived and Flynn arrives too but instead of trying to shoot Kennedy Flynn actually goes for Judith Campbell and tells her that there's a call outside from her sister and Could she come with him? And it becomes apparent that Flynn is actually after Judith Campbell. But Wyatt caught sight of Flynn and chases after him. A fight ensues between the two men, at the end of which Flynn makes his escape, but at least they prevented him from abducting Campbell. At this point, Lucy, Rufus and Wyatt don't know who Judith Campbell is, or don't know that this woman is Judith Campbell. Rufus says to her, are you Christy Pitt? Because he's assuming that that's a person that Anthony mentioned. But she says no, her name is Judith Campbell, at which point Lucy realises her significance. So they take her to a hotel room to try to figure out what to do next, but she's very unhappy that they are now detaining her, just as Flynn tried to do. She has to use the bathroom and they let her do that so that they have an opportunity to discuss what they're going to do next without her listening to their conversation. And Lucy explains who Judith Campbell is to the other two. Now, the version that Lucy gives here is that Judith was the mistress of Kennedy, also the mistress of the mobster Sam Giancana, and that she was involved in carrying messages between JFK and the mobsters and involved in assassination plots against Fidel Castro. Now, obviously, there are differing accounts as to what happened around all of this in real life. Judith Campbell's own accounts differ from... ...official FBI statements, for example, but maybe that's not too surprising. I think probably the way to look at this is that it's Lucy stating her assumptions about Judith Campbell. But it's a take on who she might have been, rather than necessarily the complete truth. What she does next in this episode is to try to escape out of the bathroom window... Wyatt pulls her down and brings her back into the hotel room and they try to convince her that they are government officials, but without much success. Wyatt tells Judith that he knows about her relationship with Kennedy and she admits that Garcia Flynn has threatened her with the incriminating photos that he has. Next, we get the first scene that we've had showing Flynn and Anthony interacting with each other. Flynn is angrily asking Anthony how Lucy, Rufus, and Wyatt have managed to find them. Flynn and Anthony knew that they'd be able to locate the time machine in time, but didn't think it was possible to locate it in space. Antony shakes his head and says, well, Rufus and Gia are very clever people and they've obviously found a way. At which point, Flynn threatens to kill Rufus, given that he's the only pilot available, other than Antony. If he could kill Rufus, then there'd be nobody to stop him from doing what he's trying to do. Antony says that Rufus is his friend and... Flynn is not to go near him, but Flynn says they knew there were going to be casualties and Antony may have to accept it. The impression you get is that Antony is certainly on board with the intent of what Flynn wants to do, but that it's weighing very heavily on him and he's not driven to being ruthless in the way that Flynn is prepared to be. The final shot in this scene is of some men digging in the desert. Nothing is made of it particularly at the time, but it will turn out to be significant later. Timeless as a show is not afraid to just allow screen time for characters to sit and talk to each other. Lucy and Judith have a conversation, Judith talks about how her life changed completely when she met Kennedy how unrecognizable it became as a result of that she asks Lucy if she can imagine that happening and of course Lucy can because her whole life has changed as a result of Garcia Flynn's actions and Judith talks about whether she could ever go back to the way things were before. But she says that she probably couldn't do that or wouldn't want to. And of course Lucy, I'm sure, would jump at the chance for her life to go back to the way it was before. But there must be a part of her that is thrilled to be living history firsthand in the way that she is. Wyatt, though, is running out of patience. He's got a simple straightforward mission to kill Flynn and he's not been successful in doing that so far. He reasons that the best thing to do now is to take Judith Campbell back to the Sands Hotel and let Flynn come after her, effectively using her as bait. He argues that Flynn won't try to hurt her because he needs her for something, which sounds right But from Lucy's perspective, that's completely unacceptable to risk Judith's life in this way, both in terms of the risk to her as a human being and the risk to history, because she's such a significant person. So they argue, and Lucy says, you're not doing it, but Wyatt says, you try and stop me, and goes ahead anyway. And he reminds Rufus that they need to know what Christy Pitt is. Which are the words that Anthony used. And it's their only clue as to what Flynn is really after. So Wyatt and Judith go back to her hotel room as planned. Lucy and Wyatt wait downstairs. Flynn appears as they hoped. ...and makes his way up to the hotel room. Judith and Wyatt are not really getting along. He keeps saying she should trust him. But she has no real reason to. But Wyatt thinks things are going to plan when... ...Flynn is seen heading up towards the room. He prepares to take him out. But while he takes his eye off Judith Campbell... ...she sneaks out behind him and smashes him over the head with a telephone. Runs straight to Flynn and goes with him. Lucy and Rufus arrive, having run up the stairs breathlessly. Lucy angrily tells Wyatt that he should have predicted that this would happen. Because as long as Flynn has got the photographs, then he has a hold over Judith. Wyatt just walks away from Lucy. Unwilling to engage any further with the argument. And all the characters are very much at odds with each other at this point. Rufus is trying to defend Anthony, but Wyatt is not really prepared to listen to that. Lucy's critical of the way Wyatt is handling things, but he's not prepared to listen to that. He's becoming very isolated from the others. Whereas Lucy and Rufus, I guess, are a bit more on the same page as civilians that don't really think in terms of killing anyone to solve their problems. So the next we see of Judith and Flynn, she is getting him into a military base. It's clear that the security of the base recognise her. And She goes to see the general in charge. Again, they clearly know each other. It's very strongly implied that Judith either has slept with this general before or is willing to now. She asks him for a glass of wine and he leaves her alone in the office while he goes to fetch a bottle. She quickly searches the office and finds a set of keys later she meets up with Flynn again and exchanges the keys for the photos and the negatives that Flynn has of her with Kennedy. So it's clear that what Flynn has wanted from her is access to this military base and this set of keys. Back at the Sands Hotel, Wyatt is walking past a Western Union telegraph station. And the way this is shot and acted, it looks like this idea has only just occurred to him. It's not something that he pre-prepared or thought about in advance. And He asks whether he can send a telegram to be delivered in 50 years' time. The guy says, yes, that can be done if you're willing to pay for it. So he narrates a message to his wife telling her to go home with him day that she's going to disappear even if he's being an ass to go home with him so this sheds a bit more light on the circumstances of her disappearance Wyatt says that he was an ass but that only suggests that it was not a very serious disagreement that they were having so he pays for the message to be sent turns around and Lucy is standing looking at him he looks at her and says, well, it worked him back to the future too. He assumes that she will disapprove of what he's tried to do. But in fact, she says that she does understand that she would do anything to bring back her sister. And you get the sense that having really fallen to a low ebb in the relationship between the two of them, that they're stepping back from that and trying to reach a common understanding again. And at this point, Rufus rushes back to them and says that he's remembered what Christie Pitt is, that he should have known all along, but it's a very obscure term that he's only heard once or twice before. Christie Pitt is not a person, it's an A-bombs plutonium core. So the three of them now realize that what Flynn is after is an A-bombs plutonium core, which of course is a frightening prospect. So the script has been very cleverly constructed, or you could say Flynn's plan has been very carefully constructed to mislead everyone into thinking that this is about Kennedy. But the whole thing has been about the A-bomb testing that's going on in Nevada at this time. And Judith Campbell's access to the military base. So Judith is in shock when she realizes what she's given Flynn access to. Anthony gets to work extracting the plutonium core from the A-bomb. Wyatt, Rufus and Lucy are rushing out of the hotel to try and catch up with Flynn and do something about this plutonium theft that's happening. But they're going to be too late. Flynn and his men are in two vehicles. Flynn and Anthony are in one vehicle, while... Some of Flynn's men are in another one. We get a shot of a barrel in the back of the second truck. There's a few things hiding in plain sight in this episode. It's, it's quite clever. You're shown something, but because you don't understand what you're looking at, you don't think anything of it at the time. But we'll come back to that barrel that's in the other truck. So Flynn and Anthony are heading away from the A-bomb test site. Wyatt, Rufus and Lucy are heading towards the A-bomb test site and suddenly the two cars are heading directly towards each other. Wyatt is not going to change course. It's possible that he even would be willing to sacrifice everybody in order to put an end to Flynn. But it's equally possible that he expects Flynn to change course which is what happens so Flynn kind of crashes his car Wyatt pulls his over to a halt everybody starts shooting it's clear what Wyatt's priority is which is to try to kill Flynn Lucy says that she will try to get Judith to safety and Rufus says that he will try to recover the plutonium core from Antony. Rufus manages to get to Anthony and asks him to hand over the case that he's carrying, containing the core. Anthony is clutching the uh, case, unwilling to let go of it at first, but eventually he does, and he then flees the scene. Lucy manages to get Judith to safety, but with all the bullets flying around, the tire gets blown out in the car that Wyatt was driving. So that car is not going to go anywhere. Flynn drives away. Wyatt is ready to take aim and fire at the vehicle as it drives away. But Rufus sees that Anthony is in the back of the vehicle and is the one most likely to get shot. So he stands in front of Wyatt and prevents him from firing. So Flynn and Anthony escape... Yet again, Wyatt has failed to kill Flynn, or Anthony for that matter. But at least they've recovered the plutonium core. Lucy and Judith have one more conversation in which Judith says that she would never have helped Flynn if she'd known what he was trying to do. And that she didn't recover the photos to protect Kennedy, she did it to protect herself herself at the end of the day, that's all you've got. That's the end of her involvement in this episode. When she's gone, Rufus and Wyatt ask Lucy what becomes of Judith Campbell. And Lucy says, eventually, Judith's secrets do come out. And she's vilified by the press and eventually dies of cancer. Both of which are true in real life. I think on the whole, Judith Campbell is portrayed quite sympathetically in this episode. I think the idea that she had any kind of influence with an army general seems far-fetched. But this is a fantasy genre show, it's not a historical documentary. And as I've said before, for anyone whose interest is sparked by... An episode of timeless it's really worthwhile taking a look at the real history and seeing how it compares anyway back to the story um, Rufus picks up the case supposedly containing the plutonium core but he's immediately suspicious because it doesn't weigh enough in panic he opens up the case and realizes that it's empty and that Anthony didn't hand over the plutonium at all. So on this occasion Flynn has been successful in what he's set out to do and Wyatt, Lucy and Rufus have to return back to the present day empty-handed and in their debriefing with Agent Christopher the only good news that Lucy can offer is that she managed to keep history unchanged when the actions of Anthony are discussed, Agent Christopher makes it clear that if he is a willing accomplice to Flynn, then Wyatt is under instructions to shoot both him and Flynn if he gets the chance. Because without Antony, Flynn will not have a pilot for the time machine. Which is exactly the argument that Flynn used earlier in the episode, in reverse, saying that if... Mason Industries didn't have Rufus, then they wouldn't be able to pursue Flynn. When I talk about the quality of these scripts, it's little things like that that I'm talking about, that the implications of events are being properly thought through. And in this case, what affects one team affects the other as well. Neither of them can function without their pilots. Agent Christopher asks Wyatt if he ever had a clean shot at Anthony, and he says that he didn't. The only reason he didn't was because Rufus was standing in his way, but he doesn't reveal that. And you get the sense that even though they have their disagreements, Wyatt, Lucy and Rufus are beginning to prioritise each other over any other consideration. So from things really being at a low point, midway through the episode, where Wyatt was really not in agreement with the other two, maybe things are starting to come back again in a positive way. And later in the episode, Rufus thanks Wyatt for not throwing him under the bus, as he puts it, with Agent Christopher. Mason asks Gia whether, now that she's found a way to locate the mothership time machine to find where it is in the past can she also do that in the present she says not yet but she can work on it Mason tells her to get started in the next scene we see that Wyatt is checking online to see whether his attempt to save his wife by sending her a telegram 50 years into the future as it was in what he did in 1962 but he discovers that it hasn't worked and um, Lucy walks in on him and when she realises what he's doing and what he's learned she says that she's so sorry that it hasn't worked but Wyatt is distraught and he doesn't want to continue the conversation and the makes his excuses and walks away. Again, it's possible to freeze frame this episode on the webpage that Wyatt was looking at and see a few details around the report of her death. It said that she was found not far from where she disappeared, that she was found by Wyatt, that he was not considered a suspect by the police at that time and that there would be an autopsy to discover the cause of death, but it was thought that it was homicide. Obviously, they're establishing a mystery here around what exactly happened to Wyatt's wife, Jessica. And in a show that features time travel, you do wonder whether somehow the developing story around these characters will lead to how Wyatt's wife died. Although it feels like the episode should probably be ending about now, there's actually three more scenes still to come. In the first of them, Lucy goes home to her fiancé and tells him that she has a lot going on in her life and she needs to go away to think things through and that she's going to go and stay with her mother for a few days or even weeks he's amazingly understanding of this he doesn't particularly demand an explanation or anything he just tells her that he loves her and if that's what she needs to do that's fine i suppose it stands to reason that lucy would choose a nice guy to get engaged to so perhaps it's no real surprise that he is a good man but from her point of view she doesn't know him and the situation is not really workable next uh, Rufus and Wyatt are talking and Rufus says he can't let the situation with Anthony go unexplained He's certain that Anthony is a good man, and he needs to understand what's driving his actions and why he's doing what he's doing. Wyatt says that, you know, in his role, he doesn't ask why, he just needs to get the job done. But Rufus says, if you don't ask why, then how can you be sure that you're on the right side? And this question of whether people are fighting on the right side in this conflict is obviously a recurring theme in the show. And one of the things that makes it so interesting. For the last scene, we're back with Flynn and Anthony. They are back in the desert in Nevada. Actually, I don't know for sure that that's where they are, but that's what it looks like. And they dig up the canister, last seen on the back of the second truck as they were escaping the A-bomb test site in 1962. They dig it up and held inside is the plutonium core that they stole. I like this for a couple of reasons. One is that they had established that it might be dangerous to transport the plutonium in the time machine. Rufus had said that he didn't know whether that would be safe to do. So that was another piece of information planted earlier in the episode that the writers had to deal with and they found another way to get the plutonium back to present day which was simply to bury it underground and then dig it up again when they got back. And the other reason why I like this is it's essentially the same idea as what Wyatt did in trying to send a telegram to the future. So it's easy for the viewer of the program to understand what's happened because they've established earlier in the episode that this is one way to get things from the past into the future. And it's true that we might have seen this sort of thing in other films and stories, but um, still, it works very well here. So the episode ends with Flynn having achieved what he set out to do, but we still don't know what it is, so we expect to see that picked up in a future episode. And in fact, it will be picked up in the very next episode. That's all for this episode of Timeless Files so thank you for listening. You can find me on Twitter at Timeless Files so follow me there and let me know your thoughts on Timeless and Timeless Files. We'll be back next time with episode four Party at Castle Valar which is a very different episode. I'm really looking forward to talking about that one. Okay thanks again and I'll see you next time.